But like somebody was on Zoom for a second. Okay. Good morning, church. I just wanted to testify this morning to the powerful love of fathers. This week, Ryan and I got to celebrate both of our dad's birthdays. We get the joy of celebrating them both in the same week. And they have just poured love, time, effort, finances. Everything that they had was ours. They didn't hold anything back, withholding any love. And we got to give them just a little fraction of that back to them with the help of our siblings. And it was just, their love is a demonstration of what the father must feel for us and what he wants to give us and the good things that he's got for us. And um, there have been times where things have not been, you know, things have been turbulent with our dads or things happen, but just when we needed them the most, they were there. And it's just, they, they don't withhold their love. They don't withhold their support. And it was just powerful to be able to celebrate that with them today and just be reminded of what the father's love must be like for us even just a little piece of it since his is so infinite hi charlie so that's that's our testimony this week thank you that's beautiful yes anybody else I had a birthday Sunday, and all my children got together, and it was a great birthday. But what they did is they took, there was 10 of us, and all my grandchildren, and they put a little card, and they had them all go down the basement and write down why they loved grandma or why they loved mom. And they all read their little cards, and it was like, I just had no idea that some of them remembered the things that I had done or how much they loved me. It was a great birthday. It was really great. Thank you. That's awesome. And happy belated birthday. Did we get a happy birthday from the church? <laughs> awesome. Anybody else? I can meet you halfway. I've been asking for prayers for my uh, niece who lives in Boston area, Amy, who's about 48 and has, lung, uh, has tumors in her lung, lung cancer, never was a smoker. And the blessings is that we found out this week, she's taking a pill, not chemo, Chemo kills all kinds of cells. The pill only goes after the bad cells. And in a month of taking the pill, her tumors have shrunk 50%, and they haven't metastasized. She may have to take this pill her rest of her life. But what a blessing, and I thank you for all your prayers. That's amazing. Thank you, God. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Sam. I'm going to use the little podium as a prop. Good morning, church. My name is Liv. Welcome to Genesis. We are glad that you're with us. Uh, I just have some announcements, and then I want to talk about the Warming Center, which we are 
we are well underway at this point. So uh, we just do ask that you keep your masks on during, uh, during service and throughout the church building, and we appreciate your support of our um, church community and keeping us all healthy and safe. Uh, also wanted to mention we had a goal for uh, year-end giving. So last month in December, a number of people usually give generously to the church and, and other sort of charitable contributions. So we had set a goal for that and we exceeded that and we are thrilled um, with the amount. So we are hugely grateful and appreciative of your faithfulness and your generosity. So thank you for that. So the warming center, if you walk through the lobby, you have seen that we've made some changes around the building and will continue to do so because Genesis and several other churches will be hosting the warming center for 14 nights. So January 23rd through February 5th. So again, the warming center is an overnight shelter for anyone who needs a uh, safe and warm place to stay. And the welcome in is the daytime shelter. So we are happy to report, I know we talked about this last week, but we're happy to report that everything is on track to reopen tomorrow. So their Monday through Friday program starting um, tomorrow, which means we're on track to host again starting next Sunday, the 23rd. Um, you know, and I just wanted to sort of bring up, I was talking to Bo a little bit this morning about how, you know, love and action is one of our church values and the Warming Center is certainly you know, a big part of that. You know, it's not something that we want you to say to a friend or a coworker, like, yeah, this church that I go to does this really nice program. It's the warming center. And, you know, they host overnight uh, guests in our building. This is something we do collectively and that we own as individuals and as families and as something we do as a church community as part of our own beliefs and part of our programming for our church. So I want you to be able, if you haven't, uh, even uh, if you've been here in the past, excuse me, if you've attended Genesis, you should be able to, you know, ask each other, well, what have you done and, and how have you participated in the warming center? So I'm about to tell you what uh, volunteer opportunities we still have. So uh, just a bit of background. So similar to last year, we're only gonna house a limited number of guests. This may be as low as 20 which if you've been around for a while, we've had years where there were over 100 people in our building a night that we were providing dinner and shelter to. But uh, due to COVID, um, we have safety protocols in place. So we're gonna have temperature checks, uh, mandatory mask wearing, providing PPE, social distancing, sort of curtains, sleeping areas, and weekly COVID testing for all the guests. Uh, being vaccinated is strongly recommended for our volunteers and wearing a mask is mandatory. So there will actually also be free COVID testing for volunteers uh, once a week that's offered at Welcome In, which is just over here at 13 and Crooks. So just, you know, have that in mind as you're looking to sign up for your role. Overnight hosts is our most important role to fill. Uh, we have volunteers helping with showers, Setup started yesterday and will continue uh, next weekend or helping tear down once it is all over. So you'll look on the boards when you walk out in the lobby that we still have 11 overnight host volunteer spots we need to fill. Um, there's even some prime weekend ones if you don't, you know, work on the weekends and you, you can take those opportunities. Our first night, we still need someone. It's technically very, very early on that Monday morning. So from 1.45 to 7.15 a.m., there are also, you can literally pull out your phone and look if you're available right now, but there are two first shift hosts that following Saturday, January 29th from 6.30 p.m. to 2 a.m. 
you can grab a buddy and you can work together. So you can sign up two people even under your own name if you want, if that's easier for you. And then the two second shift host spots immediately following that are also available. So we're sort of wide open that second weekend into that and we do need to fill those. So that would be very early, again, 1.45 a.m. Sunday, January 30th, ending at 8.15. So if you can fill any of those spots or others, um, we do ask you, you can go ahead and sign up online right now. I know that we had sent a text uh, link via our text services this week. Stop by the boards in the lobby. Uh, we can get you signed up there. So, and especially this year, uh, because we've been asking anyone who have been exposed to COVID or isn't feeling well, you know, to not come in for their volunteer shifts, we do need subs. And that is going to be a critical piece of our program this year. So you can sign up for specific dates or you can be a general sub who doesn't get a call sort of in the middle of the night or uh, if you're brave, you can be an emergency sub, which we do need, who is willing to get one of those middle of the night calls um, if something uh, happens with one of our volunteers signed up. So it's great if you can sign up for one of those shifts or um, a number of them just to be a sub, that'd be great. There's no guarantee we'd need you, but we want to keep everyone safe and make sure we have backup. Um, we are also offering showers this year, so that's a much shorter volunteer shift. 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. and you'd be working outside. So as long as you dress warmly, if you have you know, more concerns about uh, COVID exposure, this could be the role for you uh, or a friend. So there is a mandatory training for all overnight hosts and greeters today here in the sanctuary from 12.30 to two in person and it will be on Zoom as well. Uh, the training is optional for volunteer doing showers. So just know that there isn't any lunch served this year. So if you do need to run out after church and grab a bite, you can do that and we'll start at 12.30. And even if you haven't signed up for a shift yet, but you wanna learn more, you can join us at the training or join the link. I think we're throwing the Zoom link up in the chat for those who've joined online today. We cannot do this without a number of volunteers. So we would love to see every single one of you um, take part and participate. So. Another way you can help is to provide some of the supplies we need. So you can either donate funds through Venmo. You'll see my um, sort of Venmo QR code on the board in the lobby. Uh, you can purchase new packages of underwear or socks. Um, there's a number of the donations listed, again, outdoors in the lobby. So I'm also coordinating the meals teams. So I may need one more family or a small group to sponsor or, you know, cook and provide a meal. So again, this is probably for around 20 people. So if you are interested, come and grab me in the lobby afterwards and we can chat. So again, your support and participation is what allows us to be able to put on this program for people so they are not sleeping out in the cold at night. I don't know about you, but I couldn't get warm all day yesterday or this morning. It's freezing. So please think about that um, and consider when and how you can help us. Uh, even in the midst of a pandemic, we've been doing this program for many, many years, and uh, we would appreciate you joining hands with us. So God is good. Amen. All right. So I'm going to re release you just for a few minutes of connection time so you can talk to each other about how you're going to help out the Warming Center this year. Thank you.
Well, good morning. Welcome to those of you who are here at 309 North, North Main Street. Welcome to those on Zoom this morning, and welcome to those who have logged in onto Facebook. Oh, great to have you. Live, as Liv said, and we just thank God for God's continual provision every year. In January, we're, we're amazed. We were sitting with our leadership team, and it was, it was one of those things when you, when you set goals for different things in your life or for the needs of the church, and then you, you have a little bit of hesitancy and think, oh, we're not going to get this. And, and then you do, overwhelmingly. And you recognize the beauty of community and the grace of God. And so if you're here and, and wondering about God's ability to provide, to see you through, to meet needs, to come close, to give direction, God does overwhelmingly. We don't always understand when and how or why, but we know it is true. And we give thanks and we pause. So if you're in that spot of need, you're, you've come in and the overwhelming turning of your mind and heart and emotions is fear and uncertainty, I pray that even right now, you could take a deep breath and it would feel as if Jesus was giving that to you. He was going to feed you and take care of you. You heard the whisper of the Spirit saying, I have you. And for this moment, that the anxiety and the fear and the uncertainty would fade. Maybe pray for that end. So Holy Spirit, come towards these real feelings, these real emotions, these real problems that are facing families and individuals and neighborhoods and communities and cities and states and countries with real consequences. Oh, Jesus, come near. Breathe your hope, your care, your love, your provision upon those needs. Come near, Jesus, with your people. Come near with your resources of health and provision and guidance. Come near, Lord. Awaken your hands and your feet to move towards these needs. With your energy and with your love, with your breath as well. Maybe their joy to step into this. Thank you, God, for your goodness your provision, your mercy, which you pour upon us every day. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We've started in January teaching on curiosity. A part of this unfolded last year in a moment when God was speaking. It came during lots of conflict, confusion, relational breakdown, which happened a lot last year and this year and the years, and it probably happens every year. But in it, the whisper of God was this. Be curious 
before your corrective. That, that word is, because curiosity comes with a level of generous, generosity. It comes with inquisitiveness, and it's more gentle than coming purely to correct, to make right. I'm going to fix what is wrong. I'm going to tell them why they're wrong. But curiosity comes with questions like, help me understand. Curiosity holds the relationship and the people close and pulls them closer. Curiosity brings with it the opportunity for misinformation to be corrected for yourself and for the other. It helps to grow relationships, making the attempt not to destroy them. So we see the great need to be curious people. We have a God who gives us great permission to be curious. It's part of our design. Last week we talked about being curious about our emotions. And this week, related to issues in our world, the problems in our world, the justice that is needed in our world, we want to be curious about those things. We've been talking about this. We propose the value to the community saying, is this who we are? That value was called mending the world. If you walk into the lobby, you'll see six values that we have out there. They mean something. This is how we live. So Liv said, when we're serving the homeless, it's out of love and action. Putting our love into action in response to Jesus. This is how we want to function. This is how we want to orient our lives. And so the value we've put before our community, and we're going to do it for this year and maybe the next year, continuing to be curious, saying, is this who we are? Not purely aspirational, but this is who we are. This is who God's wired us to be. We want to lock arms for this, even if it be difficult. And the value was mending the world. The draft, the first draft of that value, we have it up here, is that God's plan is to mend the broken world through Jesus. This is Jesus who will make all things new, will renew all that can be renewed. And the only thing that will be destroyed, the only thing that will burn are the things who cannot be renewed. They'll be incapable of that. But the majority of creation we made new through Jesus. So we join now in God's work to bring justice, reconciliation, mercy, and shalom. That's the Hebrew word for peace, wholeness, upon the earth until Jesus returns in ultimate triumph over brokenness. The value talking about the return of Jesus that Jesus is going to return, is returning again, and that's what we are awaiting for. But in that time, we step into this work, this work to bring justice. And when we describe justice, we said that's the gap, the gap between what is and what should be. We made a list. We sat in here and opened up your voices and said, what gaps do you see? What gaps have you experienced? And we filled a board 
with gaps. And many of us are sensing opportunities where we see Jesus at work in this world. In these issues and inviting us to join him. So today, we want to talk about being curious. Curious about the problems in the world. Having your curiosity to ask why. To dig beneath them and say, why are they here? What's underneath these? What's behind this? It was fitting being on the eve of Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, which will be commemorated tomorrow. I loved hearing his daughter talk about this holiday and not just calling it a day off, but a day on. A day on to be curious. A day on to be curious about the learning that we need and the different initiatives that the King Center is even trying to promote in order to move, to move our world into the way of Jesus. We love celebrating Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a pastor, a fellow follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus, and his writings are profound. In the modern era, I don't know if there is a more well-known, more pointed, more prophetic, political, and spiritual writing than his letter from a Birmingham jail. I don't know if anyone has said anything when it comes in that way to move our society in a a way that captures minds and hearts and the sentiment of Jesus, but also looking at the problems in our world as profound as that letter, where it can be read over and over and over again. The founding documents of our country, for many of us, have found those to be intriguing and powerful. Beyond that, the writings of Dr. King, and especially that one, if you haven't read it, please do. Let tomorrow be a day on if you found yourself off from work. Read that letter. In it, I find that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is curious. He is curious about the problems of our world. And Dr. King said there's a triple evil at that time. He described, and for many of the problems that we put on the board, we fit under these three things of the triple evil. Racism. Poverty. Which could be, which was also put under material exploitation or exploitation of the poor. And militarism or war. And that these three evils are linked together. They have a lot of questions around them we could be curious about. Lots of opinions. And none of them are off limits. It's not inappropriate to ask questions of why. Where did these come from? How are these things existing in the same way that here in a week, when we begin to see human beings created in the image of God, who are all a masterpiece, we will see individuals sleeping in our building suffering mentally, emotionally, relationally, and physically. 
And we'll be challenged to ask questions, the hard questions, to be curious about them and their story. How did they get here? There are no simple answers. But to be curious about them and their story is beautiful and good. Mm. So I want to encourage us, let's be curious about problems that we see. I want to turn just to, to a little bit of the letter from the Birmingham jail. Because I was reading it again this year, I was grabbed by Dr. King's curiosity. And then I want to turn to a teaching of Jesus. So this is an excerpt from the letter from the Birmingham jail. And Dr. King is talking about that he got projected into leadership within this movement in the United States. Uh, context, he was, this is 1963, uh, went to Montgomery, or went to Birmingham, Alabama on April the 3rd, started doing nonviolent protests uh, because of segregation, because of the different federal laws that had been put into place that certain states were saying, we're not going to adhere to these. And the mistreatment of African-American individuals within the country. So they started doing, uh, because there was no negotiations, because there was no willingness to do something different, they mobilized people, and they started doing nonviolent protests. Starting on April the 3rd, I believe by the 10th, Dr. King and a few of the leadership within this movement were arrested and found themselves in a jail in Birmingham. A letter was sent out by pastors that was publicized within the newspapers speaking against this work, speaking against this, and saying why it was bad. That newspaper article was given Dr. King, and then while he was in jail, he wrote this letter. And midway through, he says this, when I was suddenly catapulted into the leadership of the bus protest in Montgomery, Alabama a few years ago, I felt we would be supported by the white church. I felt that white ministers, priests, and rabbis of the South would be among our strongest allies. Instead, some have been outright opponents, refusing to understand the freedom movement and misrepresenting its leaders. All too many others have been more cautious than courageous and have remained silent behind the anesthetizing security of stained glass windows. I have traveled the length and the breadth of Alabama, Mississippi, and all the other southern states. On sweltering summer days and crisp autumn mornings, I have looked at the South's beautiful churches with their lofty spires pointing heavenward. I have beheld the impressive outlines of her massive, her massive religious education buildings. Over and over again, I have found myself asking, what kind of people worship here? Who is their God? Where were their voices when the lips of Governor Burnett dripped the words of interposition and nullification? Where were their voices? Oh, where were they when Governor Wallace gave a clarion call for defiance and hatred? Where were their voices of support when bruised and weary Negro men and women decided to rise from the dark dungeons of complacency to the bright hills of creative protest? 
Yes, these questions are still in my mind. In deep disappointment, I have wept over the laxity of the church. But be sure that my tears have been tears of love. There can be no deep disappointment where there is not deep love. Yes, I love the church. How could I do otherwise? I'm in the rather unique position of being the son, the grandson, and the great-grandson <coughs> of preachers. Yes, I see the church as the body of Christ. But oh, how we have blemished and scarred that body through social neglect and through fear of being nonconformists. But the judgment of God is upon the church as never before. If today's church does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, it will lose its authenticity, forfeit the loyalty of millions, and be dismissed as an irrelevant social club with no meaning for the 20th century. Every day I meet young people whose disappointment with the church has turned into outright disgust. Just a little excerpt, but powerful words. Words of curiosity, words of the, the opportunity to step into the work of mending the world. Words to ask questions about the laxity of the church. Words to encourage the sacrificial spirit of the early church. Curiosity. And Dr. King asked that. What kind of people worship here? What do they care about? Who's their God? What is this God like? These are questions you could ask any person. Tell me about your God. Who's your God care about? the stories that are told. Dr. King asks these questions about injustice. He says, where were their voices when the lips of Governor Burnett dripped with the words of interposition and nullification? Uh, th those are political words. Those are words when governors say that when the federal government says things that they deem not to be appropriate for states to have to obey them, they can begin to disobey them. And so when the federal government spoke in about segregation and said that was unconstitutional, that's when this governor spoke up and said with no means, uh, will, there ever be, will this ever be allowed? Governor Ross Burnett, he was the governor of Mississippi for four years, he was a prominent member of the Southern Democrats and supported racial segregation. Barnett arranged for the arrest of the Freedom Riders in 1961, and he was a member of the White Supremacist Citizens Council movement as well. And this is a famous quote from him. I have said in every county in Mississippi that no school in our state will be integrated while I am your governor. I repeat to you tonight, no school in our state will be integrated while I am your governor. There is no case in history where the Caucasian race has survived social integration. We will not drink from the cup of genocide. 
So you think about being curious around ideas and misinformation. So Dr. King said, when those words were said, where was the church to speak up against this misinformation that integration is genocide? Using terms of war. That if this has happened, it's going to kill us. You know what? who the victim is? You know who the people are trouble here are? The Caucasians. They're the ones who need to take up arms. They're the ones who need to be protected because what is being spoken out against them is going to take their life. That, that's, that's what's being said here. That's, that's where these lies, that's where being curious comes in. It's like, interesting. Where does this come from? And you could go on for the other governors. The next governor he mentioned, just as a state of detail, um, Governor George Wallace, and, and he said very similar things. He actually, with armed guards, stopped black students from rolling in schools. And he said, I say segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. Which didn't happen. Ironic enough, beautifully enough, and it makes me curious about Governor Wallace. In the 80s, he repented. He sought forgiveness. He went to leaders and said he was wrong. Wow, what happened there? I'm sure there's a story told. It's beautiful. And he was reelected in the 80s, reelected as governor of Alabama, and moved good work towards racial injustice in the state of Alabama. What happened? What's the story? You can be curious. I find Dr. King being so curious here, asking these questions, asking the questions of the church, looking at the problems of our world and saying, how did we get here? Where are the people of Jesus? Not to guilt them, not to shame them, but to understand. Dr. King believed that it was through community, the body of Jesus, that change could come. I believe we see Jesus encouraging and moving the same kind of curiosity as we look at problems in the world. I want to look at John chapter 9. In John chapter 9, there's a problem that is exposed. Let me pick it up here in, in, in verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man who'd been blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must carry out the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I'm the light of the world. When he had said this, he spit on the ground. He made mud from the saliva, and he applied the mud to his eyes. 
And he said to him, go, wash, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he left and washed and came back seeing. What a really, really interesting story of this healing of this blind man. So Jesus comes along the blind man, and the disciples presupposed a question. Well, they, they, pre, they presupposed a problem. They came along the blind man, and they asked a question. This guy is clearly blind, and they knew that he was blind from birth. So somehow there was this idea that that problem was rooted in the sin of either this man or his parents. And so they presupposed that figure like everybody seems to know this. This guy is in this place because of either his parents' fault or his own fault. Which one, Jesus? Help us answer this. We're curious. We're curious about this problem. Who's at fault here? Whose sin caused this? And Jesus answered, neither. Neither. Now, in that time, there were these ideas that had been passed on. They're ideas that got rooted and they get passed on to one to another and they lock in. There are ideas such as um, a pregnant mom who's involved in paganism and different acts of that could then, their child could then in utero be inflicted with this kind of blindness. There was even some ideas that within the womb the baby itself could sin and cause that blindness. And these ideas were passed on. You have to almost ask, this is where curious, being curious comes in. It's just a beautiful practice. Asking how such ideas could come about. Who benefits from such ideas? Why would such ideas be grabbed a hold of? What kind of harm do such ideas do? A lot of times such an idea as such can, can, in so many ways, they can put the responsibility, the blame, the guilt on the person who is vulnerable. And it can put the guilt on that person and their parents as a way of shirking responsibility of society in order to step in. In order to shirk the responsibility of civilization as a people, saying, what do we do with the vulnerable among us? What do we do with those who are hurting and those who are broken at no fault of their own? How do we respond to them? What is our responsibility for the vulnerable among us? And as a way to limit, vulner to limit our responsibility, I believe that ideas as such as this, lies as such as this, mistruths as such as this are presented in order for society, in order for the masses to say, this is not my responsibility. This is this person's fault. They are the one who has done this. 
And we can see time and time again when we look at issues around our world, whether it be with war or poverty or racism, this misinformation and the lies that has been sent out around there, it has been, it has found its root in the minds and the hearts of so many people, white people, black people, and on and on and on. These kinds of lies that break down community and that hurt others, the vulnerable among us, and the people to which Jesus came to save and to redeem and to heal. This question that they ask, who sinned, even as we hear it, we're like, oh, wow, you had this misinformation. But the question is great because that curious question reveals their thinking. And sometimes so many of us are afraid of our curious questions because we don't want the misinformation we have believed to be spoken out loud so that we feel guilty for those things. And I don't want us to feel guilty for what we've been taught because we don't know otherwise yet. How are we to learn unless the ideas that we have that we're blind to are put before us? How are we to learn if we're not curious? And so we begin to ask the questions by being curious because it's a gentle way of pursuing this without the shame of saying, oh, we're bad people. No, we just have ideas that are harmful for society that are detrimental to human flourishing. And that run in contradiction to the person of Jesus Christ and the teachings and the heart of our God. So we begin to be curious. And in our curiosity, we can grow and we can learn. Jesus said, it's not this person's sin that caused this blindness. Now, I'm a pastor. I love words. I love theology. And I, I, just a little sidebar on, on this text right now for what Jesus is saying. And, and I just want to display this. So Jesus is saying, it's not neither this man of sin, this is in verse 3, nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him, verse 3. Now this sounds like, if you read it that way, it kind of sounds like Jesus is answering, why is this person born blind? And it sounds like Jesus is saying, or it could be read, many have interpreted it this way, oh, Jesus, he was born blind from birth so that Jesus could come along and heal him. That's the way that some could have interpreted it. That's almost like saying, I'm going to set a bear trap for you to step into it so that later I could come along and open up the bear trap and let you out. I do not believe that's what Jesus is saying. And so with that, let me get into a little bit of nuance for two minutes. And so the verse is this, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, when you're ever reading the scriptures, and the NASB is really good, because when they, they interpret, they interpret like word for word, and you can see italicized, and I don't know if this showed up in the scripture, you can see in the words that are italicized when you're reading that scripture, those words that are italicized come from the translator. They're just saying, this helps this become more clear to understand the translation. This is not the words that they had to translate from. These are words that help 
add to the translation, but they are not the translation. Does that make sense? So the italicized words are help to add flow and to help with it. And so in this text, the words that are not a part of the translation in verse 3 are, it was. But it was so. So the it was are not there. And so it could read, it was neither this man that sinned nor his parents, but so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Again, not the reason for why he's blind, but a whole other thing. This person didn't sin. His parents didn't sin. But so the works of God could be displayed in him, no period. I'm going to work the works of God right now because it's what I've been sent to do. That's what Jesus is saying. I've been sent to do this works of God. I'm going to do this works of God right in here. This man did not sin, nor his parents. And so Jesus is coming as this light to restore blindness. Sent to do the works of God. So if you're asking that, I do not believe this man was made blind for the purpose of Jesus coming along and healing him. In the same way that you did not get cancer for God to teach you a lesson. The same reason that those of you who have experienced sexual abuse is not so that you could be healed and share that story with others for their help. Right? No. Hard questions of why. Why was the man born blind? I don't know. That's a question to be curious about. A question to ask. Can we be curious? This is a gift for us. Can we be curious about these problems? Jesus at the end of this in John 9 says this, and Jesus said, for judgment I came into the world so that those who do not see may see. So those who are blind can see. And those who see may become blind. When I think about being blind and seeing, I think about the tool of the Jahari Windy, the Jahari Window. For these of you who might know, this is, this is a tool about what we know, what we know about ourselves and what we know about others. You can see it, it's a Venn diagram up here, the Jahari Window, and it kind of says that we have blind spots and we have open areas and we have hidden areas and known areas. A blind spot is when I am blind about something in myself, but others can see it. And just, just recently, Nate was sharing, or somebody came to him and said, Bo, you say the word right a lot. It's your um. And I was like, oh, I was blind to that. I didn't know I said that all the time. But others were aware. They told me, and now, because I know... It's known. It's an open area. It's known to self. It's known to others. And then there's a hidden area, meaning I know something about me, but you don't know it. I'm going to keep it hidden from you because I don't want you to know it about me. And there's many things that are hidden, or you just don't know because I haven't disclosed it. Not because I don't want to, but we just don't know, but it's a hidden area. I know this about myself, Maybe my struggles, my weaknesses, my flaws, the hurts, the wounds, you know some, but some are hidden. And then the other ones are just the unknown. I don't know it about myself, and you don't know about yourself. 
But what is beautiful sometimes when it comes to the blind spots of our lives is that we need others to come in and tell them to us. We need someone from the outside to speak up. We need community to step in. To do what we know about ourselves or what we know about society. Help me understand what I don't see. We need each other for this. To speak in personally and collectively. That we would listen to the other voices. We'd be curious about their experience. We'd be curious about what they have seen and experienced that we are blind to. And so when it comes to the big problems in this world, and the things that we're concerned with, a lot of times many of us are blind to them. We're blind to those issues. We're blind to the effects. We're blind to the causes of them. And we're blind to even some of the things that we do to perpetuate those things. And we need others to help us, to help us to see. We need Jesus to come and to help us to see, to care, and to be moved. I pray that we would begin to be curious, curious about the problems that are existing in our world, the ones that so many of us are feeling drawn to currently, whether it be Curiosity around racism, poverty, war, the treatment of children or babies, issues that go on and on, issues relating to the rights of the individuals in our country. We've been speaking so much, and, and it came out when we were talking about mending the world, and and we're talking with the elders, and they've said, oh, Bo, you said that we're, we're not, this isn't political. And they said, we, we need to be clear, it is. It, it is political. These issues are political. They're not partisan. <laughs> that helps. They, they are political. We're not backing anyone. We're trying to follow Jesus, who's inviting us to step in, to be the church, the hands and feet of Jesus, to engage in the problems of this world and to be eager to do good, fueled by the Spirit of Jesus, to be people who'd be humble and willing to learn and be curious and ask other people about their experiences. And when they disagree with us, to sit with them and help us to understand, not on Facebook, not on TikTok, not on Twitter, but together, reasoning with each other and asking. And may by the goodness of God, where we are blind, we see So we can experience in that seeing the abundant grace of God, which says, oh, what I didn't know, I know now. Thank you, God, for being so merciful to forgive us in our ignorance, in our hostility, in our arrogance. May what we are blind to, may Jesus illuminate. If that blindness is to his love, to his salvation, to his goodness. Maybe we're blind to that there are problems and the issues around us. May our eyes be opened to care about every nook and corner of society, 
that's being undermined, told it's inferior, told that it's worthless, it's hindering the good news of Jesus spreading to it. So let me pray. So Father, let us not be afraid to be curious. It's unpopular to ask questions. It's unpopular to dig in. Many have labeled it being a trouble seeker. Can see it as being nonconformist. Would you give us, would you guide us as you lead us into truth? You are a good teacher, Father. And so would you lead us to your truth? We thank you for the truth of Jesus that pulls us from our blindness towards our own sin, our own brokenness, towards our self-interest, all by your good work through your sacrifice and resurrection. But come, Lord. Continue to show us our blindness, the way we're treating each other in your world. Not out of shame, but out of the joy of your good work. At the invitation of your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, make us curious. Fill us with your energy. Pour your love over us, Lord, that we might have your energy and spirit to pour out. Your hope to offer out into the world, your words to offer back, your kindness to offer back. Fill us with your spirit, because otherwise our anger and our arrogance, it comes out of us. Fill us with your spirit, Lord, with your curiosity. Fill us with the spirit of Jesus. May your name be magnified and lifted up. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I encourage you, church, let's be curious. That could mean reading, finding materials that talk about the origins. For me, when it was with racism, it was stamped from the beginning, especially the youth edition. It's a wonderful read. Be curious. Talk to other people who, who believe differently than you do. Find out what they have learned and what they're reading. Be curious. Go to seminars. Check out podcasts. Begin to learn. Begin engaging conversations. But dig into them where you sense God inviting you. We've been inviting people into the justice things of this world. For the God who wants to mend it all. Allow us to do it. May you be curious. Pray that you have a great Martin Luther King Jr. birthday tomorrow. And have a day on to be curious about what God is doing in the world and around us. May God's kingdom come in every issue as Jesus taught us to pray. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, we've got a warming center training at 1230. That's happening live here if you want to be here for that. That's also going to be on Zoom. If you didn't get that link, Allison, do you know is there a way you've got the link Come see Allison if you want the Zoom link. We can make sure that we get that to you um, so that those who want to join for that at 1230. God bless you. Uh, we uh, Have a great week.